A reading from Philippians. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live, sorry, for many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Go away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, Your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning and welcome to the world of cryptic Jesus. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus is met on his way to Jerusalem by some Pharisees who warn him to stay away from Jerusalem because Herod wants to kill him. And he replies with a string of responses that seem to us complete and utter non-sequiturs. I'm going to propose that there is some sense to be made of these responses, but it will take a little work. The psalm that we sung just before the gospel reading is a paraphrase, paraphrased so that it can be set to music. At 8 o'clock, we read the psalm from our prayer book, and I thought the first line of the psalm succinctly summarizes what I think Jesus, in his own inimitable way, is saying 
to these Pharisees. Psalm 27, line 1, reads this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? The Pharisees are trying to warn Jesus to be afraid of Herod because Herod wants to kill him. We need to cast our mind all the way back to last Sunday to remember what we heard on that day in the story of Jesus' temptation in the desert to get a frame around which to regard this interaction between Jesus and these Pharisees. In the desert, Jesus is tempted by Satan. And all of the temptations that Satan offers Jesus have to do with worldly power and material security. And he successfully resists all these temptations. Whatever anybody else has to throw at him after that is child's play. And when he, res- when he hears a warning from the Pharisees about Herod's intentions, he already knows what Herod wants. He already knows what Herod intends and plans to do. He knows what's going on. And so he engages in some child's play and responds to the Pharisees' dire warnings of death with a game about hens and foxes, as if to demonstrate his utter lack of concern for his own life, which he knows is already held in God's hands. So Jesus, after having overcome the temptations in the desert, is given a mission to proclaim the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom we already inhabit, which is the kingdom of Herod. Remember that the devil said to Jesus, all the kingdoms of this world and their splendor have been given to me. So whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we go to church or not, we already inhabit the kingdom of Herod. Jesus is on a mission to proclaim and reveal the kingdom of God among us so that we might choose to, pro- to uh, accept and live into our citizenship in God's kingdom and not Herod's kingdom. He's on a mission. And like any good person on any good mission, he is unswervable, undeterred by what appear to be the costs of that mission. It's going to be hard. Who cares? I know that, and it's a good mission, and I'm sticking with it. So I have a story that I want to tell you that illustrates this principle from my own life. But before I do, I want to invite you to put yourself in the frame of mind of what that has been like for you in your life when you were on a mission, when you had some goal in mind that no one could sway you from. Maybe you had fallen in love and wanted someone's hand in marriage, and a friend or a relative said, oh, I don't know, I don't think you should go for that. Maybe, maybe there was a job that you really wanted, and some friend or relative said, oh, I don't really see you in that position. Maybe... Maybe there was that bank you had to rob. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever it was, you were on a mission, and nothing was going to get in your way. When I first moved to San Francisco, I had no plan for my work. I didn't know what I was going to do for work. And it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. 
And the first thing I decided I wanted to do was I wanted to work in publishing. And as often happens, once you get an idea, certain things happen that lead to the fulfillment of that idea. So I pursued the idea, I talked to everybody I could talk to, and I lucked into a paid internship at a pretty good-sized publishing company in San Francisco. So once I had my foot in that door, I did what you're supposed to do. I went around and I talked to everybody in that company about working in publishing, about what I needed to know, about what more I needed to do, about what opportunities there were there. And I have to say, everybody that I talked to was encouraging but also a little guarded about what advice they had to offer me. Until finally, I met with the senior editor of this publishing company and asked for his advice. And he gave me what I thought was a pretty canned speech about why I should not go into publishing. Culminating in the statement, if you really love books, working in publishing is like learning how sausage gets made. (laughs) And I said, is that how you feel about it? And he said, well, no. And I realized, for me, he had nothing to offer, and I moved around and continued on with my mission. And within a couple of weeks or a month or two, I had landed a job in the editorial department of another publishing company in San Francisco. So my point is to illustrate that, like Jesus on his mission, we find ourselves on missions, and people, for whatever reason, seek to dissuade or deter us from our mission. But these worldly missions that we have are only the training ground where we learn the lessons about what it means to stay true to our mission because eventually we have to step up and follow Jesus in his mission of proclaiming the kingdom of God despite the costs, no matter what it might cost us. We too follow in the vocation of Jesus, standing up, as it were, to the kingdoms of this world with all of their violence and anxiety and scarcity and division and demonstrate and proclaim by our life that there is another way, there is another kingdom, one of abundance and grace and joy in the face of life's uncertainty. But because it's Lent, and because it's homiletically insufficient to only identify myself with the figure of Jesus in the story, I want to tell another story uh, and compare myself to Herod. I serve on a commission at the diocese called the Commission on Ministry. The role of the Commission on Ministry is to meet people who are pursuing a call to ordained ministry and who wish to satisfy the various diocesan requirements to be granted ordained ministry. When I was pursuing ordained ministry, I met with the Commission on Ministry, and I experienced all of my conversations with them as encouraging and positive and supportive, and I was glad for their witness to my call and for their support in helping me achieve my goal And what we all agreed was God's plan for me to be a priest. As a member of the Commission on Ministry, when people come to talk to us, I love it, and I enjoy meeting them, and I always think to myself, this person's great, and they'll make a great priest. 
just maybe not in this diocese. <laughs> maybe not until I retire. Is there some way I can say to them that if they love church, being a priest is like learning how sausage gets made? <laughs> so in my own way, I'm a little Herod on the Commission on Ministry, operating out of a sense of anxiety that maybe there's just not enough priesthood to go around. And if this other person is ordained a priest, well, maybe what's going to happen to my priesthood? And how am I, by means of persuasion or, if necessary, violence, going to preserve <laughs> the claim to the priesthood that I have and wish to keep? Now, each of us already lives somewhere in that kingdom of Herod. And Lent is a time for us to tell the truth, not only to ourselves, but to our fellow parishioners and to God, who already knows that we conduct ourselves after the manner of Herod. We can choose also to conduct ourselves after the manner of Jesus. And when people come to us with threats of cost and threats of, mm, shall we say, termination, threats of the end, we can know with playful certainty that God is good all the time and God brings new life out of every circumstance, even and including our own death. Of whom then shall we fear? Amen. <laughs>